Welcome to the Waitressing to Wealth podcast, the podcast to gain actionable tips, learn how to build your wealth, and gain inspiration from real and relatable guests on how they've built theirs. I'm your host, Jolene Stone, a money coach. I started my journey out waitressing and $200,000 in debt. I was able to build my wealth and become debt-free in just three years. Your journey to wealth starts now. This is part two of my conversation with Jen. If you'd like to hear the first part of this conversation, it is episode five, and we talk all about her waitressing experiences abroad, as well as her time traveling to over 50 countries. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as well. So without further ado, this is the second part of my conversation with Jen. So I know that you're a waitressing right now in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Over the past year, do you feel like the closures, because if for those who don't know, the restaurants in Toronto have been closed for in-house diners for over, well, in Toronto and Ontario, for over 365 days at this point. And do you think that it's affected the industry or the people, how people even view the industry? Mm-hmm. Or do you think it's had more of a effect on your personal situation? I mean, all of the above. <laughs> it's, it's been an insane year. So I managed the bar at a craft distillery in the distillery district, which is like a historic area of the city that is, primarily visited by tourists so straight out the gate we lost our tourism and that those were the people that were coming to see us like you know when you go when you go to a place and you're like oh what can I do I'm gonna go to a brewery I'm gonna go to a winery like we were kind of grouped in with that and so when everything hit last year we actually started manufacturing hand sanitizer. Um, we were one of the first places in Ontario to do it. And that started to allow us to build goodwill within our community because as a company that was primarily focused on serving people from overseas, we were now directly supporting people in our community. We were giving away sanitizer free to seniors. We were giving it free to people who couldn't afford it. We were donating all of our proceeds. So we... It wasn't like an intentional, we need to build goodwill with our community and so they will come and buy things from us. It was, uh, we felt obligated to show up for the people that lived around us um, in a way that we could. We can produce alcohol really easily <laughs> and make something that was in high demand. And we started to see when we reopened the, the patio last summer, we started to see these people coming back going, I bought hand sanitizer from you you guys were doing such an incredible thing for a community. We want to support you. We want to buy your spirits. We want to show up for you. And for a little while, like that was the energy of people that were coming to visit us. And then things changed. The fall came, you know, we were continuing to see patios outside. People were starting to get really tired of the pandemic. Christmas season in the distillery district. It's one of the biggest Christmas markets in North America. It is where we make like 30%, 40% of our income for the year is in that six weeks leading up to Christmas. And the other manager and I are sitting there going, how the hell are we going to even like make a portion of that trying to come up with all these ideas to 
start to bring business in, I started to run virtual cocktail classes for corporate parties because this was a way that we could bring in, you know, some of that event money that we were missing out on and, and all this. And then we had to close and, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone went inside and, you know, less people were walking around the area. So I got laid off because they couldn't even afford to keep me on to do retail sales. And now that we're like starting to come back, it's been a really weird start to the summer. It's been very, very slow for our business and the businesses in our area. Um, I think especially in Toronto, the, the people that have money that are going out and spending money are the millennial demographic who want to spend time on Queen West or King West in the like mm-hmm. trendier neighborhoods. They're not coming down to the distillery district where not getting the tourism from other places yet and hopefully it'll come in the next couple of weeks but you know the older demographics and stuff who have been supporting us aren't coming out anymore like I know my parents don't eat out anymore they're just like why would I eat out when I can make my own food like I have been and save all this money <laughs> yeah um so it's weird and I think you know hopefully in two weeks we'll be able to open inside which would be amazing we haven't been open inside since March 2020 we never reopened last summer when we could do it for a couple weeks and I'm hoping that as we continue to kind of move forward we'll start to get those businesses back but Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of businesses that are still really suffering and really struggling um, because they just don't have that like community like local regulars um, Mm -hmm. like some of the other places do yeah it's been so hard. Like there's no question about it for mm. small businesses and businesses like yours that are in a specific like location. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's not as common. Do you think mm-hmm. you personally have learned any like big lessons over the course of the past year and a half based on like what you've seen here and also like your ex- past experience in traveling? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think there's a sh- definitely a shift going on in hospitality away from the customers always right mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think the customers haven't gotten that message yet. Um, I think there's definitely a good portion of people that are understanding the burden that the hospitality went hospitality industry went through in the last year. And that, you know, all of these people have been out of work. So many people have moved out of the industry because they had to, they hadn't, haven't worked in six months and they weren't guaranteed a job to come back to. Um, and the people that are still here are tired and are the people that are bearing the brunt of people not wanting to wear masks, people complaining about contact tracing, you know, they're seeing people tip them 6% because people are being cheap and you're going, did we forget that you know, if you can't afford a tip, you shouldn't be going to that place. Like there is, you know, this whole part of hospitality culture that people have just forgotten about Mm -hmm. and just haven't had to do. And I think it's going to take a little bit for customers start to catch on that, you know, this is, we have to go back to how things were, if not better. I mean, obviously it would be amazing if we could eliminate tip culture, but that's not happening anytime soon with the current legislation and how much (laughs) they're paying us. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird place to be. And it definitely has me thinking of an exit strategy. It has Mm -hmm. me thinking, I don't want to be in this industry 
for much longer. Or if I stay in the industry, I want to move off the floor and into management in a different capacity um, to create more job stability for myself because yeah, it was, it's, it's hard. Like, and it's, and it's not like, you know, we could never experience something like this again. It's the possibility of it happening again, that really changes the way that the industry like functions and how we interact with it. Right. The total uncertainty of everything has just been crazy. Like everything's uncertain. Like there's Mm -hmm. no sick pay, there's no benefits, there's no, you know, you don't have that safety net. And I think this year has really exposed how vulnerable the industry is and how vulnerable everyone who's in that industry really is. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. for sure other industries like it as well, but oh yeah, do you think- like, I think of like hairdressers, like hairdressers yeah. were out of work even longer than us. They mm-hmm. had to close as of like October and they're only reopening now. Yeah. Like there was a whole ring of like underground hairstylists in the city, you know, trying to make money by cutting yeah. people's hair at home. And yeah. So, so and it was like a zero transfer industry. Like, oh, there was I know. No it made pieces. zero sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> zero sense. Yeah. So do you believe that waitressing has played a role in your money story and shaping it and how you view it via tips, but then also the wage side of things? Yeah, I think there's always been this element of the harder I work, the more I give to my job, the more return I see. And it's the difference between a $100 day and a $200 tip day. And when you start to see how much money you can make in the industry, it is a motivator. It is, you know, the days you want to work, the busier days, you want to work the longer shifts, you want the bigger sections, you want to move up and improve in a way that gets recognized by your ability to make money. I think the place that I work right now is a really interesting contrast to that because we get paid a way higher wage. We're almost on living wage for the city of Toronto. We tip pool, we're only drink service. So our tips are are like our check uh, average is quite a bit lower than like a normal restaurant. And you start to see in some ways more stability in your paycheck week to week. You're not so, dependent on the number of customers you get in or the shifts that you work or the section size you have it's we're all in this together we all make more money together if we work together as a team and then you know we've like I mean it's raining right now it's probably going to rain for the rest of the day and a Thursday is a great shift normally but now it'll just be you know we'll call everyone off and I'll just be there doing retail and so I don't know it's hard it's a it's a really hard industry to be in mm-hmm. these days I think it influences my money story in the sense that I okay I'll put it this way so I saw this quote <laughs> that was like basically like your attachment styles talk tell you a lot about your relationship to money so as in your relationship with other people how you like what that attachment style is whether you're anxious avoidant whether you're atta- like anxious attachment whatever that is mirrored in your money. And I saw that and I was like, oh my God, that's so true because I oscillate between avoidant and anxiously attached. So I'll either like, I don't look at my bank account. I spend as if I am like, have endless resources. I'm like, treat yourself, girl, you deserve it. Or I'm on the other side of things of like stressing over every dollar I spend, like being like, oh my God, like, I, you know, today was really slow. I'm not going to make my like tip goal for the week or like, you know, 
my tip budget for the week, like what I budget myself off of and like all of this sort of stuff. That's so interesting though. But it's like, it's an, it's yeah. a really interesting way to look at your money and, and mm-hmm. your relationship to money and how your ability, like how volatile it is in your ability to make money mm-hmm. as a, a waitress or a server or a bartender, because you're so dependent. You don't, you know, like when you have a salary, you get the same amount every week or you know, you sell products and you make a certain margin off of them and all this sort of stuff, you are less dependent on the generosity of strangers. And Mm -hmm. that's the biggest difference is my relationship to money is directly influenced by the generosity of the people that I serve. If I have a great tip day and, you know, like then my mood gets better and my service gets better and then the tips get better and it kind of snowball effects. But if you're having a bad day, if you go in and you're not feeling great and you have your first table is just a nightmare, it can mm-hmm. snowball. And you just, all you can think about is the fact that this is going to affect your ability to buy groceries or your ability to go and do something on your day off that you want to do or yeah. to save for the trip that you're trying to save for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's sad that that's the way it is. Like that's the way mm-hmm. the industry is right now. And it will be interesting to see if like the shifts in the pandemic and like everything that's happened will shift in a way that will benefit servers and like all the wait staff and everything like that. So, Mm -hmm. but only time will tell for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, as people start going back out, like, as I said before, like hospitality is the background for a lot of people's lives. And Mm -hmm now that people are starting to get back out there and start seeing, you know, how they interact with that, that industry, um, I think we'll start to get a bit more power to kind of make demands. I know there's a a few organizations in Toronto that really advocate for um, hospitality workers. Um, They were doing, you know, like food boxes through the winter when we were, you know, you could just sign up and they deliver you a a box of fresh produce from local farms. and, And it was a way to help you know, ease that burden. Um, but they do a lot of work as well and like advocating for servers' rights and, you know, rights to sick days and higher pay and all that sort of stuff. So I think there is a movement and things are yep. starting to change and we need to see it happen in big cities like Toronto and then it'll start to become the standard across the board. So yeah. Oh hopefully yeah. sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with that uh, question, I ask all of my guests on this podcast, and that is if you have any tips for our listeners regarding your finances, maybe something you wish you learned sooner. Can you share? Mm, something I wish I learned sooner was how to really manage my credit card debt and manage using my cards to my advantage, um, whether that's to start to build like travel points, like I traveled to 50 countries and I still don't have a rewards card. What? (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) I know. It's actually like, it's insane to me when I think of like all of the trips that I could have taken for free. I had done that earlier. Like it's just the education around credit cards and like Mm -hmm. learning how to use them to your advantage to um, build yourself a really solid credit rating so that you can um, have that freedom when you're older to buy a house, to buy a car, to mm-hmm. to do the trips that you want to do. Um, I really, I really wish somebody had um, taught me that earlier, and I didn't have to learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank but you I mean, for sharing that. <laughs> Hopefully, someone yeah. can take that advice and mm-hmm. run with it. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you helped me massively. Like we had a, a conversation. Um, 
you know, just before the pandemic hit and you shared lots of stuff with me and um, I followed your work quite closely. And through the spring last year, I was able to actually pay all my debt off. I will, full disclosure, there is a little bit of money on my credit card right now, but I <laughs> um, actually got paid this week. So it's going to, it's going to go way down. So perfect. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. I was like, of course, I've like been keeping my credit cards like at zero for a year. And the one time I'm like carrying a balance of like a thousand dollars, I'm on your podcast. So <laughs> I think, I think the biggest thing is give yourself some forgiveness and some grace and like, oh my God, do not be so hard on yourself because Yeah. It can be it's, a lot. It can be awful. It's like soul crushing. Yeah. <laughs> to carry <the> debt, so <laughs> I've been there. I feel you. If you are, oh. if you are there, you will get out. It will get better. <laughs> oh. Well, this has been a fabulous conversation. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope the listeners that got something out of it and I'm sure that they did. Mm. Um, maybe we can do it again sometime. Yes, I would love that. <laughs> this is so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the Waitressing to Wealth podcast. To support the show and show your gratitude, we would be so happy if you shared it with your friends and tagged us on Instagram at Jolene Stone. Subscribe so you never miss a valuable episode. 